is The Talking Dead, a podcast dedicated to the AMC TV show, The Walking Dead. Hi, my name is Jason. And my name is Chris. And this is The Talking Dead, episode 152 for Sunday, March 16th, 2014. It's weird recording on a Sunday morning. It, it is a little weird. You're all you're you know you're all at home missing church, and I'm uh, in I'm in uh, Chicago still for Walker Stalker Con, but we're doing it. We're doing I wouldn't it anyway. say I'm missing it, Chris. <laughs> <laughs> Skipping it, or you never go anyway. <laughs> well, I I go periodically with my wife. My wife usually goes, and uh, she's getting ready to go to church in a little while, but. Uh, I wouldn't be going regardless of uh, whether we were doing this podcast or not. Today. Okay. Well, that's good. That's good that you guys can take uh, different approaches to your spirituality, and uh, one can go and one doesn't. That's right. <laughs> Perfect. So this is going to be our feedback show. Right. The feedback feedback. Were we calling it that for a while? Uh, I believe you might have called it that once or twice. Okay. Well, I'm not I'm... sure we were calling it that. Sometimes I just do things without thinking. That's true. Yeah. Uh, but first, we are. I think we should talk a little bit about Walker Stalker Con, even though you're not here. It is. It's Sunday morning uh, here and in in Chicago. Mm-hmm. Actually, pretty much uh, everywhere on this continent by this uh, by this time. Mm-hmm. And so you're just uh, groggily. You've gotten out of bed. Uh, you got a bit of a hangover. You uh, definitely are aware that you've been. Uh, Having a really good time? That's about it. Uh, I I would not say I'm hungover. I didn't really overdo it last night, but there has been a fair bit of drinking and eating and, you know, reveling going on while I've been here. Merrymaking, as it were? That's right. But, you know, it's it's a lot of fun. It's it's really good. Um, So let's just go through a few of the panels I have sat in. On Friday, Jay Bonansinga, the author of the books, the novels, Mm -hmm. he did a panel. You know what? He was really good. He, oh, yeah? Yeah. Despite everything I've said about the books he's written, <laughs> you know, he got up there and he was really involved, really into it, had a great rapport with the people and people who wanted to ask him questions, which is nice. And he was obviously really passionate about his work, which I know I shouldn't be so surprised about because everyone who creates something is generally passionate about what they do. Um, but he just had a great attitude up on stage, and he was a good interview, interesting things to say. And so, you know, I really en- enjoyed watching that, and it, uh, it made me a little bit more excited to read the second half of the final book, to be honest with you. Well, that's good. Which I've already purchased. He had it for sale here. Did you get it signed? And I got him to sign it, yeah. Nice. He, he does not charge anything for the autographs, which is nice. He said he's an autograph slut. He'll sign anything. That's that's great. <laughs> so. I, I like I like a good slut every now and again. <laughs> Once in a while, eh? Yeah, <laughs> especially at a convention like this. Yeah, well, that you know, that's one of the reasons you go to conventions is to to uh, to meet up with autograph sluts. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> well, he's one of them, and uh, he's he's a good he's a good guy. It seems like. Now, wait, 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 wait. So does that mean that people that charge for autographs are autographed whores? Hmm. We might be going down a road here. We should uh, probably turn around. Probably. I'll leave that up to you and, and everyone else to make their own decision on. Okay. <laughs> um, the, the two things interesting he said, though, Jay Bonansinga, about the book. One is that this book uh, does not end with the attack on the prison. 
Okay. It continues after that. So comic spoilers and show spoilers, but the governor dies in that attack. Well, it's not really a show spoiler because you know we, we've moved beyond that. Okay, not really comic a show spoiler, spoiler for sure. For sure, um, the governor dies in that attack, and these books are about the governor. So something, or we're going to find out how the story continues, probably from the perspective, I guess, of Lily Call, who's basically the main character here, right? Um, post post uh, prison attack. So hmm. I'm kind of interesting interested to hear that. You know, it'll be something brand new that hasn't been told anywhere else. Right. 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 Now, he said that just to me. He didn't say that on the panel um, because I chatted with him when I bought the book. The other interesting thing he said, though, is that there are more books in the works. Oh. There will be... Now, he said this on the panel, but there will be more Walking Dead novels, but he wouldn't give us any hint as to what the content will be. So, okay, well, the chances are they're probably not about the governor. No, they're not uh, going to be... We've pretty much taken his life from uh, the beginning of the apocalypse to, uh, you know... Uh, book spoilers. He'll probably die at the end of the or near the end of the uh, the next book. Mm-hmm. Um, so we'll have to move on to maybe uh, Lily. We'll continue on with Lily, or maybe it'll be uh, something completely different. You know, I I didn't consider the fact that we continue with Lily. We could though. We could. I was thinking more something different. Maybe they will focus. He didn't say how many books, but maybe they'll focus on another popular character. Like maybe we'll get a trilogy of Michonne stories or something like oh. that. Maybe they'll go and they'll tell a story of how NORAD deals with the, uh, with the zombie apocalypse. Hey, I'd be, I'd be up for something completely new like that. You know, that would be A-okay with me. Yeah. Uh, but we'll see. So no real timeline or, or on, on when those are coming. But if you're into the Walking Dead novels, this is not the end, people. Right, and how the oh man, can you? I, I would love to, to read the story on uh, how the zombies would overrun overrun uh, Cheyenne Mountain. Want to play a game? <laughs> All right, why not? War games. That was good. That was a good movie. That is a good movie. Send him an email. Maybe he'll go for that. Anybody, just write a story about uh, NORAD's response to the zombie apocalypse and how the uh, how uh, uh, Cheyenne Mountain gets uh, overrun by zombies because it can survive a nuclear attack. You I know. bet you that's been done. You think so? If not, it's a really good idea. I think sure. it's a really good idea. All right. So also on Friday, uh, let me talk about the Harp Twins for a second. Oh, okay. So a couple of twin women who play electric harps, and they pretty much do cover songs of sort of nerdy stuff, like TV show theme songs. They do a bunch of Metallica uh, Ozzy Osbourne, like heavy metal stuff sometimes, but they're also doing the Walking Dead theme. They're doing the Game of Thrones theme, video game music. They are spectacular. Are they? It's really, really impressive. They had them up on stage playing some songs between panels while they while they rearrange stuff. Right. And they're amazing. They they had a booth here, so you could go talk to them. You could buy their stuff, whatever you want, get shirts signed autographs and so on but when they're up on stage playing it's really impressive what these two can do on harps well a couple of things one first of all i didn't know there was such a thing as an electric harp and now that you've mentioned that there is such a thing and i've seen a couple of their videos because you sent me a link to uh, a bunch of their videos uh it makes perfect sense that there's an electric harp because it's just, it's a stringed instrument uh-huh. and that's what stringed instruments do these days you make electric versions of them there's electric fiddles there's electric guitars uh, so electric harp makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. So I watched a number of these videos, and it, 
you know, they did seem very skilled and good, but there was a little bit of a creepy factor in the uh, in the videos I found. They're, they're, are they creepy in any way on on stage? Well, explain what you mean by creepy. I'm not sure. Just some they kind of have uh, this weird. I didn't quite understand their swaying motions, and they kept looking at each other uh, every now and again, and it just it seemed something seemed just just ever so slightly off to me. I don't I don't know what it was, but I'm sure it's just. You know the video production because they're also standing in weird things like they're in the middle of the desert or in the middle of uh, on, on a road a dirt road someplace and they're swaying back and forth in these uh, in their you know they've gotten dressed up for the videos and it just it's a juxtaposition of uh, you know getting dressed up in the middle of the desert playing electric harp looking at each other well maybe it's just because they're twins and you're not used to it i don't know because they do all that in in real life in their performances they do sort of sway with the music uh, but i don't know how you could play without doing that i mean it's just part of the the rhythm that they're they're feeling maybe just the harp maybe just maybe i'm just weirded up by harp maybe i'm some kind of harpist but they... where i look down upon uh, <laughs> you're a harpist the harp as an instrument you which sure? i don't because i realize that the harp is one of the most complex and hard hardest instruments to learn that and the bagpipes are you sure you're not a harpy i'm not, i'm not a harpy okay I'm definitely not a harpy <laughs> i don't have wings i don't screech there's a whole bunch of re- i'm not a woman harpies are women <laughs> there is that they're female well, they do all those things on stage. They kind of look at each other, but in real life, you just get the feeling that it's just the way they play, and it's it's their act, right? And right. they do dress up the same, identically, in in costumes that kind of go with the, the music, I guess. Um, but the, I just thought they were really, really good, and, and they're friendly, too. When, once they're off stage, they're completely not creepy at all, I'll tell you. I spoke to them, right? because I wanted to know like how heavy the harp was and stuff like that. And uh, they're not creepy at all in, in real life. They're really quite pleasant. They're uh, Camille and Kennerly. Right. So very cool. Uh, I would go check out the Harp Twins if, if you want to hear some heavy metal and or video game or TV covers done by two twins on electric harps. Now, they do a, a version of Sweet Child of Mine, which is fine with me because that's, uh, I, I, I love that song. I don't know why. It's kind of weird, but that's a good song. I really like that song. And when you, if you're going to cover a song and, you, and you're going to play it on the harp and two electric harps, let's say, and you do Sweet Child of Mine, they're okay in my book. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a good song, and they, they do it well. So Harp Twins were cool. Um, Jason from the Walking Dead cast and I also co-moderated a panel with Irony e. Singleton. Mm-hmm. which was a ton of fun. That guy, he's an easy guy to, to interview or, or panel moderate for because you just kind of start him and he, and he goes and then the panel's over. <laughs> cool. You know, he's very, uh, he's very chatty and he's not afraid to express himself and we barely had to ask him any questions and, and he just kind of went off. And he's also the kind of guy who's really good at interacting with the audience and his fans. So... Um, you know, it was it was a lot of fun, but it was my first time having any moderating duties on a panel. Yeah, and you had you had a good time. Yeah, I had a really good time. It was it was nice. Like Jason asked him a few questions. I had a few questions. Fans asked him some stuff. Uh, one of the questions I asked him was um, about his his relationship with the fans and how he's clearly very open and accessible to them, and why that's important to him. And, you know, he, he gave a, a, a good, intelligent, long answer, but he also choked up a little bit because he knows, you know, how important this stuff is. Right. 
two questions that I asked him made him start to cry. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you made the man cry twice. And after, you know, after it was over, I apologized to him and and he was like, "No, man, it's cool. Don't worry about it. It's totally fine. Thank you so much." He's one of those guys that, you know, when you meet him, he never forgets your name. He he's he's just super friendly. He's very huggy and uh just a just an all-around really awesome guy. Oh, good. But it was fun moderating the panel, I must say. Um, now that said, I don't, I don't know about the double two moderators on on one panel. It's it's okay. It was fine for me because it was my first time. I enjoyed having the support of Jason there. Um, but if I was going to do it again, I almost think it's a little more natural to have one moderator and the panel, even if it's just one person on the panel. Right. But well, next time. Yeah, that's not my uh, not my thing. Um, and then the final panel of the day on Friday was Melissa Hutchison from Telltale Games, right? who um, Jason and I were talking about this, too. She really deserved... It's too bad she didn't have her panel on Saturday when the crowd was bigger. Right. Um, although the crowd on Friday was was still okay, but she's she's so great. She is so much fun to listen to. She's hilarious, and she has a lot of interesting things to say about making the game and and so on. So uh, if you missed that one or if you have another chance at some point to come and see Melissa on a panel, I highly recommend it. Yeah. She was a lot of fun to meet. I remember uh, I remember meeting her for sure and getting a signed autographed uh, picture and I put it in an honored place on my shelf. Yeah, so she's uh, I've been hanging out with her a lot this weekend. Um, her and uh, uh, Representative Laura from Telltale Games are right. here together. Mm -hmm. And we've been hanging out a lot. It's been pretty fun having drinks, eating food. And they have probably the most genius idea for for this con. What they did is they brought boxes and boxes full of Clementine hats. Right. You know Clem's baseball cap with the D on it? Yep, yep. They brought those and they've been giving them out. People nice. are scrambling to get these hats. They are loving these hats. So like every second person walking around this convention is wearing a Clementine <laughs> hat. Nice. Did you get a hat? I did get a hat. Good. And Melissa was nice enough to autograph it for me. Awesome. Um yeah, but it's just such a fantastic idea because you can't walk five steps without seeing 25 Clementine hats. It's like the best, you know, exposure she could ask for, I think, probably. It's a, it's amazing. Awesome. So it's really good. Um, all right, we should move it along a little bit here. Yesterday was Saturday, and the convention got way busier than it was on Friday. Right. Uh, the, the convention floor seemed a little bit dead on Friday, to be honest, but at the same time, it was nice because you walk around and take your time, not bump into people. Um, but on Saturday, it was, uh, it was a lot busier, and I didn't go to as many panels on Saturday. What did I see? I saw a part of the one uh, with Stephen Yun and Lauren Cohan right at the end of the day. They were a little bit low-key, but they were they were fine. Um, but Saturday was also the podcasters panel, right? which we sat, or I sat on, uh, along with Jason and, and Eric and uh, Jim and Aaron from Watching Dead. It was similar to the one we did last year in Atlanta, uh, right. but the crowd was bigger, which was, oh, good. Which was nice. Yeah, which was cool. Uh, we talked about, well, I don't know if it'll be released on audio. It probably will, but it, it was fun to do. And uh, I felt about the same or maybe slightly more comfortable sitting up there than I did last year. That's good. Yeah. Um, 
what else? Saturday, when was the Emily Kinney concert? She played Friday night, I think. Yeah, she played Friday night. So do you remember her concert from last year? I do. And it was pretty good. She's she you know, she plays well, but it's obvious to me that she's been performing a lot since last November. Right. Because she is much better on stage now. Did she have the same band? She did. Okay. Two guys, right? Well, it was three, but Oh, she only played with two. She didn't. It was a keyboardist and a drummer and another guitarist. I think she didn't have the drummer this time, okay. which is too bad because I like drums a lot. Uh, but just Emily herself, you can tell she's getting more comfortable on stage. She was much more confident on stage, and uh, she just had a more of a presence about her up there. The music is about the same. Music is totally fine. Um, but whether you like the songs or not, she was much much better on stage. Better performer than good. I think she's been in the past, um, which is good. But, you know, she, yeah, and she really belted out a couple of these tunes. I, I One totally a cappella, which takes some balls, I think. Oh, yeah? Certain, certainly not, not, not something I would want to do. <laughs> no, I wouldn't do it. There's no way. <laughs> no, scare the crap out of me. Um, and so now it's Sunday. The, the only other thing I want to say about the convention this year is that unlike last year where the convention floor and the panel rooms were in two separate locations yeah this time they've got all of the panels happening in exactly the same place as the convention floor right which is good and bad it's good because everything happens in the same place and people don't have to run back and forth and stuff like that but the bad thing is that the sound probably isn't as good because there's a lot of noise from the convention floor uh, and then you're trying to have a panel and they conflict a little bit but they sort of got it figured out on the second day, and it was better. But it would be nice. I think the perfect scenario would be convention floor somehow and then have, like, a ballroom or panel rooms maybe just off of it. So they're not far away, but they're separated. Right. So anyways, Walker Stalker Con has been a lot of fun. And um, they're going to do Walker Stalker Con in Paris, apparently. So Ooh, Paris. If you're looking for a trip to uh, to Europe, Jason, this might be your chance. <laughs> uh, when is it? I think it's in December. Paris in December. Yeah, I maybe not the best time to go, but I bet you Paris at Christmas is very pretty. It would be. So I'll think about it. Yeah, I don't know. We, we'll see. <laughs> it's a it's a long haul to get over to Paris. That it is. All righty. Should we play a scene from our record your favorite scene? contest please 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 all right so this one comes from jack in rainy england hi this is my entry for the record your own scene competition um this is the scene from our in the doorstep for season three it's uh, the governor and rick's confrontation had it been a little more sophisticated <clears throat> i thought you're a cop not a lawyer either way i don't pretend to be a governor I told you, I'm the leader. You're a town drunk who knocked over my fence and ripped up my yard. Hm, nothing more. Didn't you ever misjudge someone? Hm. Andrea told me about your baby. That it might be your partner's. But you still care for her and admire that? Restitution for your own lack of insight. For failing to see the devil beside you. Oh. <laughs> I see him all right. <laughs> <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> well, why does everything sound better with a 
British accent. Oh, and with the uh, let's uh, let's be honest, kind of a hilarious British accent. It's <laughs> <laughs> awesome. It sounded like uh, it sounded like it would be a, a murder mystery, uh, you know, set in the seventeen hundreds. It was beautiful. Oh, I see him all right. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we should reboot. Uh, you know, we're still in the middle of uh, uh, The Walking Dead, but I, I think it deserves a reboot from uh, the 1500s in uh, in rainy England. Well, maybe that that uh, that was just awesome. Like the, I don't know if Jack was going for this or if anyone else picked up on this, but for some reason, I got a slight Monty Python vibe from that. Well, yeah. Uh, it's just it was it was great. I I would really like to see the entire show redone in uh, in in an English accent. I think, and specifically that one. I don't know if anyone else got the Monty Python vibe, but I I don't know. It was funny for me. It was funny enough that it just reminded me of that. Now, Jack, I thank you for sending that in, and hopefully your intentions were sort of you know to be funny because I thought that was awesome. I, I, I didn't get the Monty Python vibe, but uh, I also thought it was awesome. All right. That was really good. Um, okay. Let's get into feedback, all right? Okay. Wait. Uh, okay. All righty. We're going to start off here with a long one, but why not, really? This comes from Frank on the Internet. Frank says... I was thinking about the Wild Dogs gang and wondering if they're good guys, just rough around the edges. Tyrese's group got a bad impression of Rick at first. Have the Wild Dogs done anything truly unforgivable? Let's look at their traits. Number one, they beat someone up initially. That was uh, when we first heard them in the house, right? Uh, But we don't know they killed them, nor what the person did to deserve their ire. Number two, fighting over a bed, but the guy who gets choked out is just rendered unconscious. In a world where the dead walk, the choker seemed to know not to kill this guy, if that makes sense. Number three, approaching Daryl. While they seem immediately menacing, they also are just doing what Rick's group would do in a similar situation. Number four, the guy laying claim to Daryl's jacket. This seems to suggest they have robbed before and have less regard for Daryl's life. But then again, Joe seems to steer his men from the, uh, this idea by recruiting Daryl. And number five, bouncing tennis balls? Unforgivable. <laughs> so what do you think, Jason? Are these just misunderstand- misunderstood people or are they really bad guys? Well, I think choking someone until they fall unconscious in order to get the, the big bed uh, seems a little drastic. Uh, rather than just having an argument and you know physically manhandling someone out of the room and establishing dominance, that's one thing. But actually choking someone until they fall unconscious is uh, seems pretty extreme. And uh, you know the number four, the guy laying claim to Daryl's jacket, uh, that might just be a tactic. You know they might do that to all new people to put them ill at ease. Like mm-hmm. by saying that to someone, uh, you're saying to them, "I don't value your life. I just value your stuff." which will put them uh, in a little more of a position to listen to what's going on or, you know, to be, uh, you know, susceptible to the power of suggestion, let's just say. Yep. Uh, But uh, bouncing tennis balls, I I agree, that is completely unforgivable and a monstrous thing to do when walking through a house. So clearly they are bad, evil people. Yeah. I, you know, I'm I'm still on the fence as to whether or not they're evil people, but I still think they're, uh, uh, they're, they're they're a pack of wild dogs. They're not. Uh, 
I don't think that they're anywhere near as nice as uh, Rick's group of people. No, but the point that, you know, Rick's group would likely react the same way to a stranger is is valid, I think. And, you know, you so it's hard to judge people on things like that in the zombie apocalypse because you just have to be careful and you really can't trust anybody anymore. Right. So, you know, I guess like most characters in this whole thing here there's probably some shades of gray to them and it's not just black and white that's true i'll concede that point for sure however as it comes to this tv show we already know who our good guys are so most of the time they're going to be introducing bad guys and i have a feeling this is i don't think everyone here is going to totally get along when they sort of do come together so right i have a feeling these wild dogs are definitely going to be uh not uh, friendly guys. Right. So we have our protagonists, and uh, now it looks like we have some antagonists. That's right. Yeah. All right. So we have uh, an email from Yusuf in Dubai, the United Arab Emirates. Uh, my holy crap is, what if the meeting between Daryl and the Mad Dogs actually happened in the past, and he was the guy being beaten downstairs while Rick was hiding upstairs? This will also explain why Bandana Man is still alive when we met Daryl. They might do this for two reasons. Uh, one, they want to put a wedge between Daryl and Rick. Or two, what if they've already witnessed Daryl's death? Okay, so this is an interesting theory, but I went because I had seen a graphic on Reddit. Somebody has made a timeline graphic, which I thought was pretty cool. And I think I posted it on our Facebook page originally, but it's been updated since then. Right. Which shows when all of the things are different are happening in the different storylines. And according to that graphic, it would be impossible for Daryl meeting the Mad Dogs before um, before they go and raid Rick's house. Right. Um, apparently, according to the graphic, the home invasion takes place after the second night of the after the fall of the prison. Right. And Daryl meets the bandits on the fourth day after the prison falls. So a couple of days later. Right. So they've already raided. Rick's house, he's already fled. But I think it's a really interesting idea to think that the guy that they beat up downstairs might have been Daryl. Right. And then, you know, the, uh, you know, Scott Gipple might be playing with the timeline too, right? Giving every indication that uh, the meeting up with Daryl happens after the invasion of the house, but in fact, it's not. Yeah, it, right. it for sure could be. I mean, we, we, we might have a, a misunderstanding of the timeline, right? And this yeah. graphic may be meaningless. Yeah, so Yusuf might be uh, entirely correct. Yeah. I think that would be very interesting. I think it would be very cool. Um, We will have to wait and find out. All right, this next one hmm, comes from Miggy Spicy. Sure. Is that how you'd say that? In, In Los Angeles, California. I think I can pretty much speak for all professional productions when I say that any alcohol in a scene is fake. Any production or production company will dictate employee rules, but it's still just that, employment. Since actors most likely will have to do multiple takes, it would be no good to have them keep sipping, especially if someone can't hold their liquor. Plus, there's liability. I can't think of a film off the top of my head that may have done it, but here in the States, for liquor commercials, actors have to actually be 25 or older to appear in them. So this is in reference to our questions about drinking booze on screen. Right. And, yeah, I guess it makes sense that you'd never drink real alcohol because, you know, it just might end up bad. 
<laughs> right. <laughs> for everybody involved. So uh, Yeah, and I still think that uh, what Emily Kinney should have done was uh, go and have a shot of the, the nastiest alcohol she could possibly find in a liquor store and uh, film it on her own time in a safe place uh, and, then, uh, and then watch her reaction and then mimic that for the actual show. Uh, yeah. That reaction that she had was underwhelming. <clears throat> it was. Now, I have a feeling, uh, again, I didn't watch Talking Dead, AMC's show, after this episode or that episode. Um, but I have a feeling someone wrote in to say that they, they talked about that or they mentioned it on, on there or, or they heard it somewhere, anyways, that she has gone out with, you know, Scott Wilson and maybe some of the other cast and tried some of this stuff. But right. I guess the. It didn't make it into the show. Or she's just a real hardened person who can <clears throat> chug back anything she can get her hands on. <laughs> you know what? You, you might be absolutely right. Maybe she did exactly that. She went and she found the hardest, nastiest alcohol she could find in the liquor store and filmed it. And her reaction was, ooh, that, that's not really good. And it, maybe it just went down smooth for her. Yeah. And then, uh, and then that was her reaction. So maybe it's a, you know, an, an honest, you know, genuine reaction. I just finished saying that she's... Uh, she's got a lot more confidence on stage. You could tell she's been uh, working on it a lot, and you know maybe part of that has been drinking a lot of hard whiskey or something. Well, I remember that uh, when I was in bands and uh, we would play at bars on a regular basis, and the the theory we had in the band room during rehearsals was if you're going to play at 11 o'clock on a Friday night, you're probably going to have a few beers, you're going to play drunk, so you got to practice drunk. So we drink during rehearsals. I I I see the logic. Yeah, what well, makes perfect sense to me. Total. All right, where are we? Uh, so we have an email from Matt on the internet. When Daryl climbed into the coffin for a nap in this week's episode, I immediately realized that this is most almost certainly the most secure way to sleep in the zombie apocalypse landscape. Also, I wonder how Daryl finds the time and supplies to dye his hair. It looked particularly emo in this episode. Yeah, Daryl does have some nicely styled hair, but I don't find it all that crazy. You know what? He, there's still scissors in the zombie apocalypse. He could get haircuts. Yeah, and I don't think it would be that difficult to find black gunk to put in your hair. Probably not, and maybe he's just won the hair lottery, and he's got really, really nicely colored hair. That could be. <laughs> you know? So, uh, now regarding the coffin nap, is that a good place to sleep in the zombie apocalypse? It's fairly secure, probably, if well, you yeah. close the lid. I mean, uh, luckily, not a lot of people uh, are funeral directors or have experience opening and closing coffins. So, not a lot of the zombies would have experience doing that and probably wouldn't think to do that. Mm -hmm. Not that they think at all. But I'm just thinking, you know, in terms of the, you know, what you do in life, you do in un, in the undead wor version of yourself. So the, you know, the RV inspector or, you know, um, Morgan's wife trying to open the door. Mm -hmm. So not a lot of zombies would uh, open coffins, I think. No, you're so, right. So I, I think that is a, probably a pretty secure place. Any but, you know, really, on the other side, it is a coffin, and they usually don't make air holes. So closing a coffin might not be the best thing to do. Very good point. Do coffins lock shut? Yes. Or do they just I close? I believe they do. I believe, I'm not sure how they sealed, but they're, they are sealed somehow. Yeah. And they might not be perfectly airtight, but they're probably pretty close, eh? Well, they're made with, uh, 
you know, a high level of craftsmanship. And yeah. those, uh, those, like, they're probably not made to, you know, seal like a refrigerator. But uh, I'm sure that the, the seams are pretty good. So what you're saying is sleep in a refrigerator. Oh, yeah. <laughs> if you have the opportunity. That also, uh, if we've learned anything from the most recent Indiana Jones movie, uh, a refrigerator will protect you from a nuclear blast as well. So you're good. Zombies and nuclear explosion. Whatever your apocalypse needs are, a refrigerator can solve them. The refrigerator is the modern take on the towel, clearly. That's right. So if you're going to you know, hitchhike through the world, take your refrigerator with you. <laughs> you can't go wrong. Put wheels on it, maybe a, a, an engine, and just drive that sucker around the country. <laughs> that reminds me. Yesterday I decided that uh, we have a bedroom, right? It's oh, a room with you. a bed in it. Yeah. We have a bathroom. It's the room with the bath in it. So, uh, the kitchen, I'm now going to call the fridge room. Not the food room? Not the food room. It's the room with the refrigerator in it. Bedroom, bathroom, fridge room. That's right. I'm going TV to my room. Fr- yeah, that's true. You you don't have a couch room, though. Well, I, you know, this couch is in all kinds of rooms, so it might get confusing. But, uh, you know, that's the room with the fridge in it. So I'm going to the fridge room to get a sandwich. That's right. All right. Good luck with that. Maybe you can popularize it. Thanks. What you need to do is write it down in some sort of novel or book and uh, that get it into the common lexicon. Sure. Done. Okay. And insert into the zeitgeist. That's right. Before that happens, though, I'm going to read this next one from sure. Sarah in Mission BC. She says, I have a big problem with this episode. After so long in the zombie apocalypse, wouldn't you look through the window before opening the door? Everyone watching could... Uh, could see walkers outside through the gaps in the door. Daryl is so much smarter and far more careful. It surprises me that the writers would put it in like that. He was so excited about feeding uh, pickled pig's feet to his spirit animal that he just didn't think. We've talked about Daryl's tendency to just swing open doors wildly in the last couple of episodes. Yeah. The first time in the golf course place... I thought it was just totally dumb because he knows there's zombies outside. He doesn't just open the door and walk out. This time, yes, you could see through the glass and the door, which kind of makes it stupid. But just a few minutes before, or in the recent past anyways, a dog had been at the door, and he assumed it was the dog again. Right. So he wasn't thinking. Now, again, you got to be careful in the zombie apocalypse. So even if a dog comes one time, it doesn't mean that it's going to be the dog the next time. So maybe look through the window. But yeah, I'm just trying to explain it away somehow. And some lessons are hard learned. And this this is a lesson that he will have learned from and will be smarter for it and better for it the next time. We hope so, unless tonight he just keeps opening doors willy-nilly. Yeah. Well, if he does it tonight, then... uh... Uh, there's no hope for him. No, really. clearly he's not learned anything. All right, so we have an email from Devin in Chico, California. Uh, when Daryl reaches the road, he s- sees the drop bag and Beth has been abducted. I was stunned that and extremely upset, exactly what the show was going for. But then the next day I realized, oh my, Chris and Jason were right. I always like to hear that. Oh my. <laughs> Beth was getting a ton of screen time in the last two episodes, which, which means according to their theory, our theory, uh, she's a goner, or at least for a little while. Should have known. I bet you two saw it coming. You know, we've been, or at least I have been, predicting Beth's death for quite some time now, since season two. Yep. But she just keeps trucking on, so I'm not sure this is going to be the end for Beth. No, this is not the, the death of uh, of Beth. It's not, uh, you know, to get that much screen time, it's got to be more spectacular than just disappearing. Yeah. 
Uh, well, no, I mean, I don't think he, um, I don't think Devin is saying that that's it. We're never going to see her again. She's dead. But like this is, I think he's saying this is leading to her big spectacular death. Oh, I um, see. you know, maybe tonight or or before the season ends. But I'm not even sure that's the case. I think what's going to happen here is, I think Beth is going to experience some some bad bad stuff. Right after we had an episode about her talking about there are still good people in the world, right? Yep. She's suddenly run into some people that are not so good. And she's going to come out the other side still alive, but a changed person and probably a much hardened person, something like that. That's, right. that's what I think they're going for. Maybe not. We will find out. Could be. All righty. Our next one comes from Catherine from the Bayou City. I'm guessing that everyone probably hated this episode because I loved it. <laughs> I loved Still. I thought it was one of the best episodes in the entire run of the show. I was kind of shocked by all the backlash. This week's Alone was wonderful. I'm very excited with the direction The Walking Dead is headed. These last two episodes were streets ahead of the Rick home invasion episode. Thanks for the podcast, even though I disagreed with most of it last week. <laughs> well, fair enough. I mean, we all see things a little bit differently. I thought The Home Invasion was definitely better than still and but i agree alone was was very very good yeah all right so we have a call from alan in calgary alberta here we go hi there my name is alan and i'm here in calgary alberta i want to particularly say a thank you to jason who very thoughtfully sent me on an email when i had a question that i asked oh i don't know about a year year and a half ago uh thank you very much for that my question is, it's kind of a goofy one. It's about the balloons that you see at the beginning of one of the episodes. So is this just a mistake on the part of the people making the show? How long do balloons take to deflate, or are they trying to tell us something? Anyways, the show is great. Keep it up. Thank you very much. Bye. So Alan goes back a couple episodes to those balloons that were floating there, and... Uh, why were they still inflated after all this time? I, I really don't know. I mean, you can. Ins it depends on the uh, on the balloon, but uh, balloons will deflate over time because rubber is uh, porous. But mm -hmm. you can inject something into balloons to make them last longer. You know, I've experienced a fair number of balloons in my day with children and birthday parties and so on, and we have gotten balloons that have deflated very quickly. I guess poor quality balloons. And we have received other ones that seem to last forever. I have had to actually deflate balloons after weeks of them hanging around my house. And I'm tired of them being there, so I get rid of them. Um, but they're still going, inflation-wise. Right. So, I don't know. Maybe the, the top-quality balloons in the world will last months or years. I don't know. Well, maybe. Like, if you, if you get a, a helium balloon that's—and helium is uh, a smaller molecule than air, so it'll uh, actually seep through the rubber faster. Um, but if you get a helium balloon, like somebody just inflates a helium balloon and ties it to a string and ties it to your kid's wrist and off you go, that balloon's not going to last very long. First of all, it's tied to a kid's wrist and it's probably going to get lost and uh, stuck in the ceiling within minutes. But, you know, failing that, uh, deflating, it's going to deflate over time. But if you see a balloon installation— like they're making uh, something like a balloon arch or balloon candy canes at Christmas or any kind of um, <clears throat> event installation, they will uh, coat the inside of that balloon 
with something prior to inflating it so that it will last longer because the last thing you want to do is make a balloon installation the night before and then you get up in the morning and all the balloons are half deflated and sitting on the ground. Right. You know, whoever hired these people to install this balloon thing, uh, they're going to get a call and they're going to be ranting and raving and yelling and screaming and all kinds of unfun stuff. So it, it depends on what the balloon is going to be used for. It depends on, uh, like you say, the quality of the balloon as well. Like if you buy dollar store balloons by the pound, probably not going to be as good as the ones that you buy at the rich people mall. <laughs> you, you know what I love about this call most most of all? What? One, that it just shows that our listeners and you know a lot of fans of The Walking Dead are so attentive to detail and just obsessed with things like this, like balloons and how long they will stay inflated. Yeah. You know, I, I don't watch other shows and think, oh, those balloons, I can't believe they've been there so long. And, and, you know, but on this show, you know, it totally comes up. And then you have an answer like that, which is, <laughs> is great, you know, perfectly well thought out, intelligent, and uh, clearly you have experience with balloons. Well, I used to work for a... Uh, a- you know, a family event planning company, uh-huh. and we used to, we used to, I used to hire people to install balloon installations. Yeah, it's 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 good. I mean, who who knew that your balloon installation experience would come in handy when talking about The Walking Dead? Who knew? It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, this is an email, and it comes from Sarah on the internet. Now, this is how you do character development. Last week's episode felt disjointed and didn't work for me. She goes on to say, it all seemed heavy-handed, and none of it seemed like a logical progression of either of their characters. I couldn't help but feel uneasy after the episode was over. This week's episode proved that character development could be logical, slower-paced, and still fascinating to watch. Daryl and Beth had more natural conversation, and the banter was awe-worthy. <laughs> so I guess she's comparing the still with alone, right? Right. Still not so good, alone, very good. I agree. Thank you, Sarah. Uh, okay, so we have an email from Dave T. in Coventry, UK. I want to know why there are so many marauding people now that the group is split up. While in the prison, there was not one visitor who stumbled across the massive place, but now that they're walking around, uh, the, oh, there is one person after another. Uh, this seems really far-fetched. Obviously a way to expand the storyline, but not very consistent. You know, I don't know about this. There Maybe there have been lots of groups wandering around. Maybe some showed up at the prison. We just didn't get to see that. It happened during the this eight-month break between seasons, which I understand is a little bit of a cop-out uh, answer from me and from the show, kind of. But I don't know. It, 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 do you think there's too many people like hanging around the area now that they've left, or, or does it bother you at all? Well, I don't think it bothers me because I've got, uh, there's two things. One is maybe there were people wandering around that would stumble across the prison, but the prison was generally speaking surrounded by zombies. So anybody wandering around, peeking their head out in the woods, uh, seeing the prison would go, oh, that thing's surrounded by zombies. I'm getting the hell out of here. And they would just turn around and leave. I mean, there were some fortifications and stuff built after after a while. Um, you know, then again, somebody might come out of the uh out of the woods and go, hey, that thing is surrounded by zombies, but there's a field of corn <laughs> inside the walls. So maybe there's somebody in there. Uh, but then again, that kind of goes, there's another uh, option for that is that's already filled with people, and I don't like people because people are bad, and I'm going to stay away from them. 
or they're a large group, and maybe even the wild dogs, uh, the pack of wild dogs, those guys found the prison, but found it and said, oh, that is very well fortified, well thought out. There's lots of people. That's not something we usually go after, so they buggered off. Uh, the second point I wanted to make was if you're looking for something and you have a group of people, what do you do? You split up because you can cover more ground and uh, do a better search. So now that the group is fragmented, there's a bigger chance that they'll run into somebody. Yeah, yeah, you're absolutely right. And I don't know. I mean, it so far they've introduced the wild dogs. There were the people on the side of the train tracks that Tyrese tried to help. Yeah. Um, is there anybody else? There's the guy in the car that stole Beth. Assuming it's somebody else, that's true. I assume it's somebody else. All right. Um, so, I mean, there hasn't been that many. And, and it, people tend to to travel from one place to another, right? At this, I think this point in the apocalypse, you don't have a lot of people searching for somewhere to, to be, maybe. You have people traveling between places or just moving in general. So the fact that maybe someone didn't run right into the prison um is somewhat believable especially if you're following the train tracks or you're following roads or something like that you might bypass that kind of location also yeah. i had another thought is that uh you know that's how they found stucky when uh when they were at the prison is they went out and they looked for them and they found a bunch of people that way mm-hmm. so maybe there are people wandering around out there all the time and in some cases they're they brought them back to the prison that's right. We had Dr. S, we had Patrick, and, and all those. Oh, those people were from Woodbury, though, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stooky wasn't from Woodbury. He was just wandering around. You're right, you're right. But I'm thinking there's other people. Then they had that, you know, that's why they came up with the three questions, because they kept running into people, and they wanted to get the good ones to come back and be part of their community. Yeah, there was Clara the Moss Lady. She wasn't from Woodbury. Right. And her uh, husband's head. So maybe there are people wandering around all over the place. Yeah. All righty. Thank you, Dave T. in Coventry. This next email is for me, right? Susan in High Point, North Carolina. Susan says, Something's been bugging me, and I'd like your take. How come walkers go up to doors to get into buildings? I realize we have to suspend disbelief, but I need some rules in the disbelief. If the walkers understand enough to approach a house, walk up the stairs, and bang on the door, wouldn't they also understand how gross it is to take a bite out of a person's <laughs> arm or gut? All the walkers can possibly be is brain uh, is a brain with one purpose to find humans and eat them so walkers right. and doors walkers and doors and <clears throat> okay here are the rules uh, and basically what you did in life you can do in in an undead form and there is a little bit of basic reasoning there in the night of the living dead which uh, was was that the first zombie movie I uh, I think it's kind of credited with launching the genre, but it wasn't really technically the first, I don't think. Right. Okay. So in that movie, which launched the genre, a zombie went around a car in order to get at our protagonist. I think it was Barbara. Okay. Um, at the beginning, uh, near the beginning of that. So that kind of says that zombies do have a basic reasoning. I'm not... Uh, if a zombie was just a you know a straight point and shoot kind of thing, where they all they wanted to go do was go in a straight line and chew on brains, uh, that zombie probably would have tried to scramble over the car. But he went around the car, and we also had um, uh, Morgan's wife uh, try and open the door to what their house was. We have the RV inspector zombie. So essentially, 
what I'm thinking is that uh, because humans, as humans uh, that live in houses, we generally get into those houses through doors. And so that's how we think of how to get into a building is through a door. Mm -hmm. We don't think of going through the window. We don't think of climbing onto the roof and climbing through the chimney. Maybe a a zombie Santa might. (laughs) So you got to watch out for zombie Santa. Coming down your chimney. He's coming down your chimney. That's right. (laughs) Uh, So (laughs) I I think that uh, zombies walking up to doors is completely plausible. Uh, I think that a whole bunch of zombies walking up to a single door without any particular reason to do so, like a noise or, a, uh, you know, some kind of uh, attention, like their attention needs to be gotten to go towards that door. I think uh, in the case of the, uh, you know, Daryl opening the door to a whole bunch of zombies, I don't see any reason for that. I don't, there's no reason why a bunch of them would all of a sudden choose that door to go through unless the house was completely being overrun by a, a a herd of zombies, and those are the ones that just happen to be at the door. Sure. I think we've determined, though, that somebody planted them there. Yeah. Maybe the owner of the house was trying to draw out the people that, were, that had moved in. So planted those zombies at the door and ran off, rung the doorbell, and it's you know it's the uh, it's the zombie version of leaving a flaming bag of dog poop on your front porch, right? Um, so that kind of explains the crowd. But I think you're right. One zombie might walk up to a door and fiddle with the knob, as yeah. we've seen. Yeah, just uh, you know because that happens to be where they're wandering too. Exactly. All right. So uh, moving on, we have a call from Carl in Birmingham. Yeah, friend of the show. Hi, Chris. Hi, Jason. It's Carl in Birmingham. Uh, calling in with a retraction of uh, another voicemail I sent the other day, which uh, I sent straight after watching the episode. For some reason, I seem to be the only person that didn't enjoy the episode. And uh, I was really tired. I watched it late at night. I guess I was being a bit grumpy. But um, uh, this is one of those times where I'm really glad I listened to the podcast because um, your review put a completely different slant on how I sort of thought of things um, and actually made me go and revisit an episode I would have dismissed otherwise. I'm really glad I did because, uh, uh, yeah, I actually really enjoyed it second time round. Um, chock full of detail, character detail, plot detail. Um, it was really good and the set pieces were excellent and very effective. So so for whatever reason, I just uh, I just dismissed it out of hand. And uh, so I'm glad I'm a fan of the show. Um, my point about Daryl still stands and I was glad you referenced that in the uh, in the show about uh, opening doors. He needs, to, he needs to sort that one out. Um, uh, the only other thing I would say, I wasn't a big fan of Maggie swinging the sign around. I know Chris really loved that, but uh, for me, it was just a little bit dead rising. Um, so, you know, what what next? Are they going to be strapping chainsaws to rowing oars and sort of mowing through mowing through zombies? It was just a bit computer game. So uh, hopefully, hopefully we don't see too much more of that stuff. Uh, I get what you're saying about original kills, but I just I just thought that one went a little bit too far but uh, overall really great episode so thanks for opening my eyes to that one and uh, I'll speak again soon I have uh, one thought I have uh, imagine if you will Daryl dirt bike chainsaws and the handlebars I'm all for it it does it, seem a little video gamey but uh, uh, I, w- I would lo- I would love to see that I must admit so would I and point taken thank you Carl that it was a little over the top maybe but I don't know I just loved it I I thought it was it was a unique different way to kill zombies and if they have to go a little bit video gamey I think I'm okay with that 
you know, honestly, what I would do is if, if I saw Daryl on a dirt bike with a couple of chainsaws mowing down a, uh, a herd of zombies, uh, I would love it. And I would scream and yell and clap in the middle of my uh, living room while watching that. And then on the podcast, I'd probably rip Scott Gimple a new one for doing exactly that. <laughs> yeah, you know. While enjoying it the whole time. <laughs> sure. It's fair enough. I mean, it's fun to watch, that's for sure. But maybe not the most appropriate for the show. Hey, but if they throw it in once in a while, that kind of stuff, I'm good with it. Um, if they and- turn this whole TV show into a, uh, a campy satire, uh, then they could totally get away with this stuff. Yeah, like Carl said, this is not Dead Rising, the TV show. This is The Walking Dead, the TV show. Dead Rising is a video game that I had a lot of fun playing way back in the day, and um, uh, maybe not the day, because it wasn't that long ago. It was a few years ago. And you could you could build all sorts of crazy weapons. You could use almost anything in the environment as a weapon, and that's what made that fun. But I guess that's not what The Walking Dead's all about, even though it's fun to watch. It kind of makes me want to go back and play Dead Rising. It does. I played Dead Rising 2 as well, but not nearly to the extent that I played the first one. I played the crap out of that first game. I, I never finished either one of them. That's too bad. The first There's one, a new one coming out, yes, no? Uh, probably Dead Rising 3. I don't know. Or maybe it's just some downloadable content. I am not sure. Dead Either Rising way, 3. I might check it out because I did have a lot of fun with that first game. Okay, we have one more email, and then we're going to do a few spoilery-type emails. So this last one here, before we get into that, comes from Kimberly on the internet. She writes, I have to give a lone 4.5 one-eyed mutts out of 5. It's quite the rating system. That's good. The scene with Bob at the beginning was haunting and sad, but we get to really understand why he is glad right now. And I will be on the edge of my seat until I know how Daryl is going to get out of this new mess and hope he finds Beth again, although it seems impossible. Hmm. 4.5 one-eyed mutts out of 5. That, that's good. Do you remember our zombie scale? I do. Uh, I don't exactly remember all of it right now, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, it was... That's a, it. Just an, just an one off to, podcast one, reference. 1 to 5 rating of zombies. We don't really rate the episodes on a scale, so the yeah. zombie scale kind of went away, but... You never know. Maybe someday it will be resurrected and come back from the dead. All right. So Dead Rising 3 has a release date of November 22nd, 2013. So I guess it's out. Oh, a while and ago. And it's an Xbox One exclusive. Wait, that's, the, that's did the, the original release date. I think it was moved. Did the Xbox One come out back then? No, it didn't. So I'm a little weirded up. Maybe they mean 2014. Wikipedia seems to be a little bit off here. I don't know. Maybe the Xbox One has been out since the end of last year. I, it probably came out for the holiday season. I don't remember. Was released on November 22nd, 2013. I guess so. As a launch title for the Xbox One. Okay, so that's when it came out. Interesting. Wow. We are moving away from video game enjoyment, aren't we? When I, uh, a title like uh, Dead Rising 3 could get by us and we're not even aware of it. Yeah, seriously. But I I have not bought an Xbox One. I'm still perfectly happy with my 360. Uh, maybe in a year from now or something like that, I'll pick up the Xbox 1.2 or whatever they're going to call it. I don't know. Um, but uh, yeah, either way, maybe I'll just go back and play Dead Rising 1 some more. Yeah, I might uh, go back and play Dead Rising 2 just for fun. Okay, so how are we going to do these? We, we have some spoiler feedback now. Some, a little bit, care, a little bit comic-y spoiler. Um, 
I don't know if they're really show spoiler. And most of the time, it's just references to characters that may not have been in the show yet. So not heavy-duty spoilers or anything. But from here on in, everyone, just the warning that there could be light spoilers for comic and possibly some speculation on the future of the TV show. So yeah. if you're not And I am going to spoil some Battlestar Galactica too, so if uh, <laughs> you know just be warned about that. Good for you, man. For the first time ever you're you're <laughs> warning people of your Battlestar spoilers. So That's right. Uh, all right. Are you starting right, this? So let's uh, let's get started here. First of all, Boomers is silent. Uh, Adam, friend of the show. This is a minor comic spoiler. He references a character from the comic that we haven't seen in the show yet. I wonder if the Bethnapper was in fact the priest from the comic book. He ultimately turns out to be a good guy, but in the show, he may be a little twitchy at first. He forcibly takes Beth away, uh, thinking he's re- uh, recruiting her, or worse, he convinces her that Daryl's dead already. Also, I wonder if the Wild Dogs are a scouting party for Terminus. Uh, they seem to have been out on their own for longer than the prison gang. How could they not have seen Terminus signs unless they work for Terminus? So that second point, I think, is is a good one, first of all. I mean, if they are hanging around and they're out there, and like all of our prison characters have come across a Terminus sign, there's no way that the wild dogs wouldn't have, you, you'd think. Right. So either they work for Terminus, they're scouting, or possibly they have chosen purposefully not to go there. Maybe they're using the Terminus signs and the Terminus paths as their marauding grounds, like... You know, people are going to start coming through here mm. and they're going to run across Terminus signs, so they're going to be along this area. Why don't we ambush people here? Interesting concept, you know. Make it easy, you know. They know people are going to be walking along. We need their stuff. If we just hide in the forest here, bat people are bound to come along sooner or later. Interesting. I like it. Now, the fact that if they work for Terminus, ooh, that means that Terminus may not be the most friendly place. That could be. Well, what would they be doing if they worked for Terminus? Well, maybe they're like an early sort of line of defense. Maybe Terminus doesn't really want people to come. Well, then the signs are probably a dumb idea. Yeah, then the signs are a bad idea. So, (laughs) you know, I don't know. I mean, why would they be out there? Maybe the people that put the signs up are the anti-Terminus people, and they're trying to get people to go towards Terminus (laughs) to get them, you know, this... uh, to get them away from their true location. Maybe mm-hmm. Terminus, Terminus is also a uh, uh, a false, you know, it's a bait and switch kind of thing. You know, if we lead people here, they won't come towards our real spot, which we're saving. Well, you know, generally the simplest explanation for something is the correct one, and that sounds a little complex. <laughs> it does sound a little complex. <laughs> so I don't know. Um, in, in, in terms of, you know, Beth being kidnapped by the priest from the comic i think that's a possible possibility i mean well i'm trying to remember the exact storyline the beginning of the priest uh story so he um so i guess i'm going to spoil some of the comic here yeah that's fine i don't remember it all that well right now it's been a long time since i went back to read that so there's a whole bunch of people in a church right yes and he's protecting them or what was the deal with the the relationship between the priest and the yeah, I'm not 100% sure, but they, they're they're living in that church. Rick and the gang come along. And see, I don't remember if they just stumble upon the church or if they're brought there 
right. some other way. So it's we can't really talk about it right now. But no, if that this, character... this just proves the the point that we really are uh, podcasting about the show and not about the comic book. Yeah, because. Obviously, we forget some things. Yeah, for sure. But, I mean, you know, there is a priest. There are people living in a church. And why would he kidnap Beth like that? Unless his intentions are actually good. Like, maybe she's rescue. he thinks he's rescuing her, right? It's night. There's right. a house. There's zombies around. She's all by herself. He's like, she's with a guy car. with an emo haircut. Yeah, exactly. He, you don't want to hang her away him. from him. <laughs> it's, he's like, get in my car. I can take you somewhere safe sort of thing. Now, okay. she'd probably say, "Um, but my friend, you know, he's. we need to help him. But who knows? You never know. Um, We'll have to watch to find out. We will. All right. We have a call from Luke in Perth, Australia. Hey, fellas. This is Luke from Perth, Western Australia. Uh, I just want to say great work on the podcast I tune in every week, and um, yeah, you've got to be proud of what you've achieved, guys, so a big pat on the back to you. And uh, yeah, if you've got a spare minute, check out Perth Western Australia and let me know your thoughts. Vacation tips. Now, I have a theory. Uh, do you think Jeff, Co- Jeff Cobra is um, linked to the Terminus, Terminus Sanctuary? Now, do you think he's sending out his guys to put up posters around the place uh, in aid to try and lure existing... Um, survivors to terminus now obviously he's bad so you can just imagine what will happen when they do get there you know so yeah just let me know your thoughts i'm gonna stop that one there um so kind of the same idea are they luring people there specifically uh with the signs like maybe maybe the wild dogs are are posting those signs and they're just hanging around you know putting up more signs well i didn't see any signs on them like, they had all their bags and stuff with them, so they were just kind of walking around. Yeah, but you might leave those in a pile somewhere when you go to pick up a guy on the street. I don't know. I don't know. They didn't leave their bags behind. They looked pretty, you know, laden with uh, with all their living supplies. I don't know why. If they had signs, maybe they put up all the signs. Maybe all the signs are already up, and they're on their way back to get more signs. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Maybe, I don't know, maybe. There's, there's a lot of possibilities here, right? People, I think, are looking at Terminus thinking, this has got to be too good to be true. There must be something about this place that is not going to be the sanctuary that they're claiming it is. Right. So incorporating the wild dogs into this, um, you know, that's a logical step to take. Whether they're putting up the signs to lure people there or just a scouting party for some reason, I, I don't know. Me neither. Yeah. All right, so we have uh, Jason on the internet, and this includes uh, comic spoilers. I get the feeling that Beth is about to become one of Negan's wives, and with Daryl having joined the bad guys, I feel like he he just became one of Negan's men. I'm thinking Daryl and Beth are going to be the big T version of Dwight and Sherry next season. Hope I'm wrong, for Beth's sake at least. So Negan is a character from more recently in the comics. Yeah, this is completely lost on me. I don't know what... Jason is talking. Well, about. you read up to issue 100, so you know who Negan is, right? Um, but yeah, you don't you don't know as much about him, I suppose. Uh, I, I'm not going to go into it because we don't need to get into that much sort of those heavier spoilers. Uh, but Negan does sort of live with numerous wives, and uh, Jason here is speculating that Beth is now one of them. Yeah. So that's what I mean. Beth might not be in for. When I said earlier, she's probably not going to. I don't think she's going to die. I don't think she's already dead, but. She may be in for some unpleasant times because I don't think living with Negan would be a very fun existence. Right. That's all I'm saying. Okay. 
All righty. Uh, one last call. It's a bit of a longer one, but it's from Max, the math teacher in Connecticut. And I think we're going to give him the last word on today's podcast. Hey, guys. This is Max, the math teacher from Connecticut, calling with my grades for the last couple episodes. Uh, there will be comic spoilers within. First off, uh, the prior week episode gets a grade of an F. I know what they were trying to do. I understand it. I like it. But it was just bizarre the way they tried to do it with the alcohol and everything. And all I kept thinking was, where are my other characters? Um, this week's episode gets a D plus. Um, I like the Daryl Betts part. Um, and, but that's only if that cabin was a trap set up by the hunters. It would be very interesting if the hunters left the cabin full of uh, disgusting, fattening foods um, for survivors to get fattened up uh, if, after staying there a couple nights. Then they use the dog as a scout um, and then use the dog again later on to lure the survivors into a zombie trap, which flushes out the survivors so they could be abducted. Um, I think that would be very clever. I'd love to see that on screen. Um, but if they don't, the hunter's storyline better be terminus or I'm going to be extremely, extremely disappointed. The other half of the episode was just awful. I mean, the actor who plays Bob has done a great job of showing um, us that Bob is someone who's really uh, who's really upset by the fact that he's been left alone from two groups. Um, we see that. We've heard it from his character a bunch of times. I didn't need to see it for five minutes during the cold open. It just felt like a waste of time. Didn't really need to see it. Didn't add much. I mean, the rest of the episode was even worse, though. I mean, here's my abridged version of, the, of their storyline. Maggie. I'm going to find Glenn. Don't risk your lives for me. Sorry, that accent's awful. Uh, Bob, where's Maggie? She's hot. I want to risk my life. I'm going. Sasha, well, I'm not. Bob, awkwardly kisses Sasha. Bye. Sasha, oh, look, Maggie's on the ground. Don't know why we didn't notice her before when we walked by her. Oh, no, zombies. They fight for two minutes. Sasha, all right, I'll risk my life for you. Maggie and Sasha find Bob five minutes later. So full circle, did they not think we would not realize that absolutely nothing happened there? The characters didn't move forward. They're in the exact same place they were before. We learned a little bit more about Bob, but not anything drastic. I mean, I just feel cheated. It was a waste of 30 minutes, utter filler. Um, I mean, the other thing that I have to say is the fact that there's three episodes left, and Rick has only been in two episodes since the hiatus. It might be three. My count's off. That's dangerous ground to tread. No Rick means no Walking Dead. And uh, I know comic fans will say Carl could fill the void, but I'm not so sure he can do that right now. Well, this is Max, the math teacher, signing off. And guys, review the comic. The comic is awesome right now. Start reviewing the comic. That would make me so happy. All right, see you. All right, first off, we're going to put him in a uh, record a scene entry, right? Well, you know, I was thinking that while I was listening to it, but he didn't really record a scene. He more sort of described or narr narrated it, kind of. That's fine. It's sarcastic. I think it goes in. Yeah, I, so, I suppose. <laughs> <laughs> Bob awkwardly kisses Sasha. <laughs> there's, there's, yeah, there's, uh, there's dialogue in there. I'm fine with it. Okay. All right. I, I did like the accent. Definitely like the accent. <laughs> and I also liked uh, Bob. She's hot. I'm going. <laughs> um, oh, we need uh, sarcastic reenactment reenactments of all the episodes. Uh, yeah, well, I, we've gotten so many now where I just wish they would do the entire thing. So, <laughs> um, so Max made a lot of points in there. Uh, I 
I agree with him about still. I really didn't like the first half and all the booze stuff uh, in still, but we've we've gone through that. However, I did think the ending was amazing for that one. Um, but the next episode, I don't know. I don't I don't agree that that nothing happened. I was pretty satisfied with with everything in that epi- episode. Um, learning more about Bob, you know, getting sort of Sasha's take on everything. And uh, the characters coming to the realization that you just can't be alone, that you do have to help each other, even if it means risking your life. I think that was all valuable stuff, and it didn't bother me one bit. Right. Um, in terms of reviewing the comic, we're not going to do that. No. Uh, I'm sorry, Max. I mean, we do stick to the TV show, and we bring in comic a little bit as necessary. That's not to say I wouldn't like to somehow incorporate it in, into the podcast or maybe another podcast. Well, but, that's what uh, I'm thinking, is that if we did anything comic-specific, it would have to be a separate uh, podcast. Or or a very distinct segment, maybe. Right. Right. Um, well, and then, let's, let's talk about this. Uh, you and I can talk about this offline for what happens over the summer. That's true. That is that's a good idea. Um. And I'll just say right now that I know general feelings about the comic right now are that it's very good, but I'm not liking it. I I don't know what it is. I uh, I have I'm having problems with the comic these days, and I haven't read the most recent issue, but I'm all up to date. Other than that, I don't know. I have a hard time. Well, without going into it, I just it's not as for me for some reason it's just not as as gripping as it has been in the past. All right, so you and I, it's that that's more compelling for me to to want to do something to review the comic because mm-hmm. it sounds like you got something to say and I'm behind, so I don't know what's going on. Yeah. Uh, so, uh, you know, maybe this is something we should do over the, uh, the, the the summer break. Yeah, maybe, maybe. I mean, I haven't put as much thought into it as I would if if we were going to actually be talking about it, you know, official uh, here on the on the show. So. I don't know how to articulate my feelings quite yet, but I'll just say that I am not going through a period where I'm really, really loving the comic right now, and right. that's it. So, And that is also going to be it for this podcast. So it's Sunday morning. We got a new episode of The Walking Dead tonight. I will be watching it in my hotel room this evening. Or You have AMC? I do. Okay, good. Um, You're not going to watch it on the floor with a whole bunch of people like we did last time at uh, Walker's Dark? There is going... Huh. Walker Stalker Con. Yeah, you almost ran out of breath Shock, there. Shocker right? Con. <laughs> uh, there, I, I've heard rumors about a, a viewing party downstairs in the bar, in the hotel bar. But I, I don't know. I, I think I might just be in the mood to sit in my room quietly and, and watch it and really pay attention. You know what's going to happen in a bar? First of all, not everyone there is going to be interested in watching it. It's going right. to be loud. In the bar, or, you know, maybe you just won't be able to hear the TVs, right? There'll be a lot of people around, other stuff going on. I don't know how you can properly pay attention to an episode when you're sitting in a bar watching it. So, at the very least, maybe I'll go down and watch it with them and then come back upstairs and watch it again at the, on the repeat broadcast. Or just put signs up around the hotel <clears throat> and have everybody come and watch it in your room. <clears throat> I suppose I could do that. I could invite everyone to come up to my room. Should probably clean up a little first. <laughs> You're a messy hotel uh, person. Uh, not particularly. Yesterday, though, I, I realized that there's two beds in here, right? And I'm only right. using one of them. So yesterday, I, I realized that I've been, you know, piling stuff on the other bed. So I took ten minutes and cleaned up. Nice. So I'm I'm not in that bad shape right now. Um, 
anyways. No one cares about that. <laughs> <laughs> no, not really. Except for me. Yeah, except for you. But, you know, you're not the only one here. Um, I will be watching it. I will be making all the notes necessary. So unless I am just exhausted from my car ride home tomorrow, right? plan to record a podcast. Okay. That way we are not behind schedule anymore because... This whole like doing it all way behind schedule. I'm, I'm glad we you know didn't just skip a week, but we got to yeah. stick to the plan. I agree. Whenever yeah, I'm uh, I'm I'm all over it. Okay, cool. Um, all right. So if you want to contact us, how how can people do that? You can send email to talkingdeadpodcast at gmail That's a good way to do it. Um, you can give us a call on the Zomb line. It's one eight six six four eight three nine six six two. I have been a little more active on Twitter this weekend, mostly because, uh, you know, I'm at Walker Stalker Con here, and I wanted to tweet out sort of what I was doing and where I was, so twitter.com slash talking dead, or Facebook, facebook.com slash the talking dead, and we've only got a few more weeks for recording your favorite scene, so make sure you do that. I, I chatted with some people here, some fans and so on, and I and I, everyone I talked to, I said, make sure you record a scene and send it to us. <laughs> do it i was i'm expecting to get a few more in hopefully we do uh anything else jason before we go for the day no i think i'm uh i'm good all righty so until next time once again my name is chris my name is jason thank you for listening Oh, I see him all right. <laughs>